Let's uh, turn in the scriptures to 1 Corinthians chapter, anybody know? 13, but on your way to 13, (laughs) stop by in chapter 3. I was uh, able to speak with Brother Kenneth Copeland a couple of days ago. He asked us what we were doing, I told him. And uh, he said, will you tell everybody that there is a way to have 54 years of glorious married life? Hallelujah, that's him and Miss Gloria. Gloria said you had to marry the right person. Miss Gloria said a lot of wise things. And one of the things he said, I was talking to him, he said you needed a wife like Miss Gloria. He said she lives 1 Corinthians 13 every day. He said it's part of her, inside and out. Hallelujah. He said he's tried to have arguments and she wouldn't participate. <laughs> so uh, those are good examples, aren't they? Yes, sir. Haven't we heard a lot of these this week? 50 plus years. So uh, nobody can tell us it's not happening. You know, you, if you watch, you listen to the world, they'll tell you, well, nobody's even getting married. And, and the few that did got divorced three weeks later. And that's just not true. I said, that's not true. Don't, don't believe everything you hear. Besides that, you know, you don't have to live like other folks that don't believe in God. We're Christians. We're believers. We live lives of victory. Hallelujah. Victory. Victory over the things that the world doesn't know how to have victory over. In 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, and verse 1. I want you to see what he was talking to them about and to us about before he got to chapter 13. He said, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. When you're born again, you're not fully developed as a believer. You're born a baby, an infant, just like in the natural. He went on to say, I've fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. But even though you're born a baby, he said in 1 Peter, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Growth and development is not automatic. It makes all the difference whether you're fed or not, and of course what you're fed. And then you must Act on what you're being fed. You must exercise or walk in faith, walk in love, pray, give, etc. Develop. So growing up spiritually is not automatic. It does not happen by just by passage of time. There's folks that's been born again for 50 years and they're still spiritual infants. They've never developed. They've never grown up. Well, you know that can be true mentally and emotionally. Somebody can be 40 years old and act like a five-year-old, can't they? And a whole lot of folks don't seem to understand that that's not okay. I said, that's not okay. That's unacceptable behavior. 
And he's writing to them, telling them, you know, I, I, I couldn't minister to you as spiritual people. Well, babies can't chew a T-bone. Right? And so you should not give them one. They can only handle milk. Look at verse 3. He said, you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men, or as some translations say, mere men, talking about unsaved people, mere, unchanged, unsaved men. 1 Corinthians 7 in this same book here, this is chapter 3. Of course, we know chapter 13, we're, we're talking about getting to. Chapter 7 deals extensively with husbands and wives. And in that passage, it talks about such shall have trouble in the flesh. The source of marriage trouble is flesh. Carnal is the same thing as fleshly. The words are the same. And so the solution for a myriad of marriage problems is to grow up. To grow up spiritually. And growing up spiritually means to grow up and become like the master who is like the father. Growing up spiritually means growing up becoming like God. Like the Father. And He is love. You can't separate growing up spiritually from growing up in love. Developing spiritually is developing in love. And faith and some other things. But it's you can't separate the two. There's no such thing as being highly developed spiritually. But not having a good love walk. That's just somebody imagining something. Because growing up spiritually means becoming like the master. Becoming like the father. Growing up. That's whose children we are. And we take after our daddy. He is love. Now the world has diluted love and altered the concept of love. And changed it into a bunch of things that have little to do with love. Many have reduced love to romance. And feelings. And emotions. Love is far greater. Far bigger. God is love. Are you with me friends? So go with me on now to chapter 13. And let's release faith. A myriad of marriage troubles evaporate when you grow up. Hmm? They just cease. You, you, you have less and less and less and then you don't have it. If you grow up. But you can be married 50 years and never grow up either. That's why a lot of folks don't make it to 50 years. It's because of not growing up. But love 
First Corinthians 13, where love is described, spiritual maturity is being described. Being spiritual instead of carnal and fleshly. Being mature instead of babyish, childish. See, he even mentions being childish in the same chapter, doesn't he? That's because it all goes together. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. I'm going to read this to you from Young's literal translation. And um, it, it doesn't read so smoothly, but it's very accurate. And you'll see one of the reasons why I like it in just a moment. He said, if with the tongues of men and of messengers I speak and have not love, I have become brass sounding or a cymbal tinkling. If the heart is not right, even though you're saying and doing a bunch of things maybe that are technically right, it's hollow. Can you see that? A brass sounding, a cymbal tinkling. It's, it's noisy, but there's, it's hollow. Verse 2. If I have prophecy and know all secrets and all the knowledge, and if I have all the faith so as to remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. People imagine that the things that denote spirituality would be the quoting of scriptures and the prophesying and faith exploits. But according to this, that's not the real indicator. And if you look at the, uh, this, this chapter, 1 Corinthians, he, he, they had an abundance of gifts of the Spirit. He had to give them some instruction and direction. And he calls them carnal, doesn't he? They have gifts of the Spirit, but he calls them babies. And carnal, why? Just stop right here. Put back up chapter 3 and verse 3. 3, 3 again. You are yet fleshly. Why? How did he know they're babies? They're carnal. Because of envying, strife, and divisions. Fighting, wrestling. That proves you're not spiritually developed. Whether it's me, whether it's you. I don't care how much you talk in tongues, how many scriptures you quote. How much you prophesy, if you're continuously in strife and and wrestling and and division and envying, you're not spiritually mature. You're a baby and acting like a baby. Do you see this, friends? Our minds need to be renewed in this. Spiritual people don't allow themselves to be sucked into knockdown drag outs. They won't do it with you. Did you hear what brother Kenneth said. About Miss Gloria. He said he tried to have arguments several times. and She just wouldn't participate. She's going to do 1 Corinthians 13. No strife. No envy. No division. If the enemy can't get you to yield to that. You keep him on the outside. Looking in. Mm-hmm. Didn't the Bible say neither give place to the devil? Don't give place to him. How do you give place? Temper, hurt, anxiety, frustration, 
You get mad, you get upset, you get hurt, you say a bunch of things, you do a bunch of things. That's being a baby. Are y'all with me, friends? No, we're not going to call any names. And how many of us have have done it? You know, don't, don't raise your hand. We've all done some of these things. But it needs to stop. It needs to stop now. We need to grow up. Grow up. And the first thing we grow up in is love. Love. And coupled with love, faith works by love. And hope, as we'll see here in just a moment, is coupled with this. Keep reading. He said, uh, verse 3, 1 Corinthians 13, 3, If I give away to feed others all my goods, and if I give up my body that I may be burned, and have not love, I am profited nothing. So it's possible to give and make great sacrifice, and yet the motive is not love. It's possible to make great sacrifices. See, there's people that'll, they, they imagine they are such amazing Christians because they sacrifice so that people know it. But they're not doing it for their spouse. They're doing it for people to see how spiritual I think I am. And love is not the motivation. And if love is not the motivation, all the stuff you did, it means nothing. And you're going to get nothing out of it. The Lord's always looking at the heart. And a heart of love is not thinking about me. It's thinking about them. And that is so simple. But it is life changing. Verse 4. The love. Do you see one reason I like the Young's literal? This is very accurate from the Greek. And instead of calling it love, he calls it the love. The love is what? Long-suffering. It is kind. The love does not envy. Now, uh, some translations will say is not jealous. But uh, you need to qualify that. God can be jealous and he is love but the scripture talks about let's see uh, 2 Corinthians 11 2 don't go there but he said I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy so that means there's a kind that's not but here he's talking about envy and envy is as evil as it gets envy is evil and uh, that's the opposite of rejoicing when somebody has something that you want or that you like. If you love them, you're going to be glad for them. Right? And if you're not glad for them, you just envy them. You don't love them. And love, the love, does not envy. It does not envy. And of course, James said, you know, 3.16 Where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work that proves the enemy is in manifestation. The opposite of love. Love, if somebody gets 
twice as big a house as you. Love is glad. Glad for them. Is that right? If love gets the car you've been wanting for three years. Love rejoices. Why? Did they run out of cars when they got that one? Can, can't you still get yours? Why can't you be glad for them? Love does not envy. That includes your spouse. When people are immature, they often compete with each other in marriage. Who knows the most? Who's the most spiritual? Who makes the most money? On and on. And you'll see it by little things they bring up when they're around other people. Try to show each other up. Have you ever seen this? Try to show each other up. If you love them, you're not going to do anything that's going to make them look bad or look less in other people's eyes. You're going to try to save the day if they are looking bad. You're going to try, right? If you care about them, you're going to try to salvage it. I know uh, some of you may have heard me tell this story, but it's a picture of love. You know, when uh, Noah got drunk and one of his sons told about he was in there uncovered drunk, his other sons put the um, put a, a covering and walked backward and and laid it down and walked out. So he's covered, but they didn't see him laying there drunk and exposed. Such a picture of love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't it? If you care about people, you don't want their failures broadcast. Right? And you don't want to see them when they're exposed and down. You want to help them. Well, how much more your spouse? Right? Your spouse. Keep reading. What does love do? The love, verse 4, the love is long-suffering. It is kind. The love does not envy. The love does not vaunt itself. It is not puffed up. One of the things you see so clearly is that love is not selfish. It's not self-promoting. It's not self-seeking. And that is the battle each of us face every day is the selfishness of the flesh. Your flesh didn't get born again. The man on the inside got born again. And all you got to do to be selfish is wake up in the morning and act like you feel and follow every thought that comes to you and every desire that comes to you. You have to make a choice to ignore the, the, the pulls of the flesh and let the love of God that's been shed abroad in your heart dominate your being. And this takes faith because fear says, what about me? Fear and carnality says, what about me? When, when am I going to get mine? Who's going to take care of me? Well, if I don't bug them about it a hundred times, it won't happen. That's zero faith. That's walking by sight. That's acting just like an unbeliever. Like mere men. Faith says, 
I don't have to tell anybody. I don't have to bug anybody. The Lord's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of me. If it needs to come through them, he'll deal with them. If not, he'll take care of me personally. (laughs) But see, that takes faith. If God's not real to you, then you're going to look to people and try to get it from them and try to push and press. But that's not what love does. Love is long-suffering. It's kind. The love does not envy. The love does not vaunt itself. It's not puffed up. Again, that's fear. Why are people so pushing themselves forward all the time? Because they fear if they don't, nobody will notice them. Nobody will call on them. They won't have any place. But faith feels no need. Faith believes the Bible. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. In due time, he will exalt you. Did he say it or not? But see, it takes faith. It takes faith to look to him. Wait on him to do it. Trust him to do it. The love is not, does not vaunt itself. Is not puffed up. Keep reading. Does not act unseemly. Or rudely. Does not seek its own things. A lot of reason people are so rude is, is again fear and pride. They're afraid somebody's going to think less of me. There's a, they're afraid, you know. I'm going to look bad. So they get they, they, they say things they shouldn't say. And they overreact. But faith and love. Feels no need. It's not provoked. Does not impute evil. Rejoices not over the unrighteousness. And rejoices with the truth. All things it bears. All it believes. All it hopes. All it endures, does this sound strong to you? Bears up under anything, no matter what happens, it keeps on believing. No matter what happens or doesn't happen, it keeps on expecting. This is not some little flighty, fleshy person. This is a strong, mature believer. Can you see this? They've developed in love, which means they've grown up in God. Can anybody do this? Can anybody develop in this? Every Christian has got this love in them. And if we'll yield to it instead of yielding to the flesh, we'll develop this way. And the more we do it, the stronger you get. Now just pause for a minute. What if you got two people, a husband and a wife, and this is how they live every day? Let me read it again. Both of them are long-suffering. Both of them are kind. Neither one of them will envy the other. Neither one of them push, pushes their self forward and neither one of them ever gets puffed up. Neither one of them acts rude. Neither one of them is self-seeking. You can't provoke either one of them. They won't impute evil. They won't rejoice in anything bad. They only rejoice in the truth. Both of them will bear up under anything. Keep believing through everything. Keep expecting through everything and endure. That couple will reach 50, right? 60, 70. Hallelujah. 
Keep reading. Verse 8. The love does never fail. Whether there be prophecies, they'll become useless. Whether tongues, they'll cease. Whether knowledge, it'll become useless. For in part we know and in part we prophesy. And when that which is perfect is, may come, then that which is in part shall become useless. When I was a babe. So is he talking about growing up and developing? When I was a babe, as a babe I was speaking, as a babe I was thinking, as a babe I was reasoning. But when I've become a man or mature, I have made useless the things of the babe. I don't use them anymore. I've set them aside. I believe tonight some folks could set aside some childish things and begin to let the love of God dominate. And the next time the enemy comes where he's been successful many, many times getting you at each other's throat and just, you know, having a meltdown, it doesn't have to happen again. I said it doesn't have to happen again. You can both stop and go, we're not going to do this. We're not going to yield to the enemy. We're not going to yield to our flesh. We're going to walk in love. We're going to walk in faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you do it? It's a choice. It's a choice. But now you got to make up your mind. Now. Before the feelings flare. I said you got to make up your mind now. Before the feelings flare. Don't wait and say, well, I'll, I'll think about this some more. You're going to lose it again. But if you make up your mind, the Lord will help you. He doesn't do it for you. You've got to give him something to work with. But if you'll make a decision and an effort to do it, the Holy Spirit will come in and help you. Hallelujah. Go with me, if you would please, over to Romans 13. Romans 13. I'm believing to take some, some wraps off of the enemy's devices. I believe the Spirit of God will help us to do that. And not be tricked and fooled by him anymore in these areas. Romans 13 and 10. 13 10. It says, love works no ill to his neighbor. Now, the word neighbor means nearby, the one who's by you. Whether you live by him or whether you just happen to be by him at this particular moment. Because you remember there was this question that the man asked Jesus, who was his neighbor? There was, and, and he mentioned the fact that the guy that just happened to be by him right then. Well, who was a neighbor to him? Well, who are we nearby? More than our spouse. Love works no ill. To his nearby. Therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. The NIV says. Love does no harm. To its neighbor. The Amplified says. Love does no wrong. To one's neighbor. It never hurts anybody. The easy to read says it like that again. Love doesn't hurt others. Love doesn't hurt people. It doesn't hurt people. Now I know and I think you can, you can attest to it. The biggest trouble 
you can get in with the Lord is hurting people. That's the biggest trouble you'll get in with him. It is violating the New Testament commandment. And most of us have made a lot of mistakes in this area. But if we'll grow up, that'll change. You know, have you ever realized that you let the enemy feed you thoughts and words and actions and you said and did things uh, that was not right and it hurt people? And at that particular time, the enemy was using your voice or the enemy used your hand if you hit somebody. Come on, are you all with me? We ought not let the enemy use us. Right? Love won't hurt. Love will be hurt to spare you hurt. That's the law of Christ. Isn't that what the master did for us? He wouldn't hurt us, but he would go to the cross and be hurt for us. That's love. I said, that's love. What a lot of people call love is not the God kind of love. Not at all. You hear people talk about, you know, I love them so much, it drove me crazy. I love them so much, it just drives me nuts. It drives me crazy. You ever heard anything like that? What they're describing is torment. Is that the love of God? Is the love of God tormenting? And you'll see people commit evil things in the name of love. Well, I I love you too much to let anybody else have you. If I can't have you, nobody's going to have you. That's how much I love you. Really? Do you know what I'm talking about? This has nothing to do with love. Nothing. It's blasphemy to call it love. God is love. Let me give you a couple examples of this. In uh, Judges, the 16th chapter. Well, I'll tell you what. But before you do that, go to 2 Samuel. Let's do it this way. Go to 2 Samuel, 13th chapter. 2 Samuel 13, 1. It says, it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And verse 2, Ammon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. You read the rest of the story. He tricked Tamar and he forced her and raped her. And then decided he didn't like her anymore. And yet he said, he's describing him, he loved her so much it made him sick. He couldn't think, he couldn't function, he was vexed 
because of his love for her. Everybody said out loud, this is not love. This is not love. This is lust. This is obsession. This is fixation. But it's not love. It's wanting to possess and use and control. And it's devilish. Is anybody with me? It's wanting to possess someone and use someone and control them, which has nothing to do with loving them. If he had loved her, he would never have done this to her. Right? You see young people putting pressure on each other. If you love me, You'll have sex with me. If you really love me. If you ever hear that run. Run. It's got nothing to do with them loving you. Sex is not love. Sex is not love. Sex is a physical act. Nothing can be expressed through sex. Hate could be expressed through sex. If people love each other. They can express it, husbands and wives, in sex. But sex itself is not love. And having sex with somebody is not proof of love. Young people, are you listening? Do not believe this junk. It's not love. It's got nothing to do with love. But what it does have to do with is uh, trying to manipulate and fear. Well, if I don't have sex with them, they'll get somebody else. It's quiet in here. That's somebody that's not in love with you. They want to use your body. They want to use your body. That's not loving you. And if you are manipulated by fear to do it, you're going to have a bad outcome. You're going to regret it. Can you see what what Amnon is calling love is obsession and a desire to possess and use and control. It's devilish. Let's look at another example of this. In Judges, like I mentioned earlier, don't let the world tell you what love is. Don't let ungodly movies and books tell you what love is. Don't do it. People in the world are hurting in these areas. Folks that, maybe people like a movie where a perfect romance is portrayed. Remember, it's a movie. (laughs) Right? It's a movie. These people are pretending and getting paid well. To pretend. And you don't have to look at the news too much to look at these actors' lives. Many of their lives are disasters. They've been married three and four and nine times and they don't know who they are. They don't know what's going on. Do not look to the world. Don't. And beware of people's books. Secular psychology. Psychology. 
A lot of folks never ask. So-and-so's got the book. Oh, they got the, you know, they got the take on it now. This is how to have the perfect marriage. Well, who are they? Do they even believe in God? What kind of marriage do they have? What kind of family do they have? Just because somebody wrote a book and it's got letters at the end of their name does not mean that they even think sanely. I'm serious. Much less have any answers for life. How are they doing? If it's not coming from the word, do not build your life on it. That includes coming from Christians and ministers. Oh, friend, there's so many people. I was listening to some things a while back and People, folks were talking about marriage, talking about marriage. And I thought, well, great, great. And it sounded okay and it was nice. And they went on and on and on and on. And they never mentioned one scripture. And it's ministry. That's not okay. It's very subtle. It's very deceptive because you'll start nodding your head and, and your soul will agree with it. And your flesh wants it. And it's contrary to scripture and you're not even noticing it. There are all kind of things in Christian books and in self-help and seminars that's contrary to the word of God. But it sounds right because it's, you know, the world agrees with it. And it's what your soul wants to hear and it's what you, your flesh wants to hear. In order to do it God's way. You're going to have to crucify your flesh. You're going to have to forget about what I want. That's why this message is not as popular. But if you'll do it his way, oh, you'll have what people say is not even possible to have. Hallelujah. And you'll make it through things other people don't make it through. Because that other stuff May look good, sound good, may be all right in fair weather, but it is sand. And when the storm hits, you will get washed away. We have seen it, we have seen it, we have seen it. Oh, they they didn't like what Phyllis and I taught. And so they went and got something else. They went and got, and if you want something else, you can find it. It's out there. They went and got it. And they got divorced too. They didn't make it. Because nothing but the word. Come on saints. Do you believe it? Nothing but the word. Will hold you up. Through things you don't know what to do about. Oh hallelujah. The world does not have the answer for this. Somebody say I'm going to stand. On the solid rock. Of doing. God's word. Hallelujah. Judges 16, are you there? Does the love of God vex you and torment you? Make you sick? I'm love sick. (laughs) Well, you're something sick, but it ain't real love. You're obsessed. You're infatuated. You're coveting, but it's not love. We need mind renewal. (laughs) 
getting looks across the crowd. This is the story of Samson who has found the Philistine woman of his dreams, Delilah. And uh, unbeknownst to him, his enemies are talking to her and trying to get her to find out Samson's secret to his strength. And so she began to press him. Everybody say press him. She began to press him and push him and day in and day out. And she was basically saying, if you love me, you'll tell me. Is this love? Well, if you love me, you'll give me what I want. Is that love? That's not love. That's trying to get what you want. If it's any love, it's self-love. It's got nothing to do with love and Neil. How can you say, verse 15, she said, how can you say I love you and your heart's not with me? And you've mocked me these three times and you've not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed to death. He's miserable. He's tormented. And what's this over? Supposed to be love. I love you, Samson. If you loved me, you would tell me. Friend, this is the enemy. The enemy using love as leverage to squeeze, to manipulate. That's not love. That's not the love of God. When you sense this vexation and this torment and this frustration, marriage is too hard. Love is too hard. People have written all these songs. Love hurts. Love is a battlefield. 70s and 80s tunes, right? Well, no. Love doesn't hurt. Love actually heals. Because God is love. No. Don't believe all this joy. Do we need mind renewal where love is concerned? Come on, can you see this? Love is so great, because you're talking about God himself, is so great. The enemy has worked for millennia to just muddy all of this up. Because love doesn't end, doesn't fail. Love is the strongest thing going. There is no defense against love. People can say, don't love me anymore. And you can say, tough. You can't make me stop loving you. Well, quit. No. No. There is no defense against love. The enemy can't do anything with it. He can't stop it. Are you listening, friends? Well, he can't stop God now, can he? He can't stop it. How can you get free from this vexation, from this torment? From this frustration. I believe by the spirit of God. We're going to tell you. I'm not telling you. So it's going to be easy. But you have to. 
die to that part of your flesh. You have to let that die and trust in God. What fear will do is try to control. Fear will try to possess and control. And one of the things that we need to get settled right now is you do not own your spouse. They are not yours that you own or to possess. Never have been, never will be. And number two, you cannot control them. And the sooner you learn that, the happier you'll be. I'm going to go, go over this again real, really slow. The scripture said, all souls are mine. Do you believe that? That's Ezekiel 18.4. All souls are mine. People have made so many mistakes in these areas. And you hear when people using that kind of language. Yeah, but it, you're, you're my wife. Well, see, the emphasis is on my. That's not you loving them. You're, you're, you're concerned about, uh, you know, well, what if they don't do what I want them to do? Or, or what, if they, what if they leave? If they want to leave, they'll leave. Well, no, they won't. I'll, I'll make them stay. You going to commit a crime? You going to be like Amnon? That's got nothing to do with love. The truth is, they are their own human being. And if they're anybody's, they're God's. Are you with me, friends? And you don't own them. And you never will. If you get to be with them, and they want to be with you, you should rejoice. But so much of the vexation and the fear comes from trying to possess. And coupled right with it is the trying to control. You can't control what your spouse says and does. What if they do this and embarrass us? Well, it would be a good opportunity for you to die to your pride. (laughs) Did they just do that? Yeah. What about it? Well, Talk to them about it. See, the thing that that people go through so much pain about is because of pride and fear. And if you die to that, there's nothing to hurt you anymore. You get free. Which you need to get free anyway. And if you you keep trying to think that they're yours, that you own them, that you can control them, you're believing a lie. You're living in a fantasy. They can leave you anytime they want to. If you're going to try to make them stay, you're a criminal. Who wants to control somebody and put them in bondage? Who wants to manipulate somebody and even steal and kill and destroy? That's the devil. That's the devil. The moment you, you get into this, you're going to do this. You are going to do this. You're in the flesh. You're away from the Holy Spirit. 
Did you hear me, friends? You're trying to control somebody. And it's evil. Will Jesus control you? No. Will he let you do what you decide to do? Yeah, even if it destroys your life, he will let you do what you choose to do. Why? Because that's what love does. Now, he's always there if you want to come back. If you want things to be right, he's there. He'll forgive you. Now, he's not going to change for you. I said he's not going to change for you. You can't follow your spouse away from God. Man or woman. And you can't control them. You remember in 1 Corinthians 7, he talks about this. Uh, in fact, let's just go over there and look at it. 1 Corinthians 7. I tell you, you get free. You get free and you quit living in torment. You quit fussing and fighting. How's that not a hallelujah time? These two things will help you immediately if you'll receive it. You don't own them. And you should stop immediately trying to control them. If you don't, you're going to be missing God. You're going to be yielding to the flesh. The answer to every question in marriage is answered by Christ and the church. What should the wife do? Well, what should the church do with her Lord? What should the husband do? What does the Lord do with us? What does he not do? Does he force us? No. Well, then if we're walking by the Lord, which is love, we're walking by love, you'll get to a certain place, and if somebody doesn't want to do it, you have to back off. It may cost them. It may affect you and interfere with you. But that's the reality of free will. And that's what's going on through the whole earth. You can sense the heart of God. He so wants to help and heal and save and bless. But billions of people won't give him the time of day. They will not listen to him. They are stubborn. They are rebellious. And their lives are a disaster. And he could fix it. He could fix it right now. He could fix all of it. He could heal all of it. But they won't come to him. They won't listen to him. Is he going to make them? No, he's not. And if you're following after God, being an imitator of him, you'll function the same way. In uh, 1 Corinthians 7, he talks about people in marriages and believers and unbelievers and people staying or people not staying. There's a wealth of revelation here. And he says, uh, verse 10, 1 Corinthians 7, 10, To the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. What's the next phrase? But what? But, and if she departs, what does that mean? She can leave if she wants to. And the Spirit of God is acknowledging that in the very next phrase. He first said, don't, you know, let the wife, don't leave her husband. What's the very next word? But, if she does, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled 
to her husband, let not the husband put away his wife. Why? Because, you know, that's not God's perfect will. But people got a mind of their own. To the rest I speak not I. If any brother has a wife that believes not, she be pleased to dwell with him. Let him not put her away. And the woman which has a husband that believes not, if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by, in other words, by the believing husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. Verse 13, verse 15 rather, what does it say? But, what? But, if the unbelieving depart, what? Let him go. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether you shall save your husband? What's the answer to that? You don't know. Someone says, well, no, I'm believing that they'll be saved. So they will be. I know a lot of people say that. But do they have a free will or not? Then according to this, you can't be sure. Now, as long as there's breath, there's hope. So you keep believing. Are you with me? How knowest thou, O man, whether you shall save your wife? You, you, just It's another way of saying you can't control them. Now, some folks have already figured this out. <laughs> and are saving themselves a lot of frustration. That doesn't mean, I've already said it, but it doesn't mean you follow them away from God. No, man or woman. No. But you cast the care of it over on the Lord. And you tell the Lord if things are uncomfortable and tense, you say, Lord, they're your child. So am I. Show them what they need to see. Show me what I need to see. And back off. It takes faith. When it means so much to you. When it affects your life so much. Your flesh is so pulled. To try to stay in there. And fix it and straighten it out. But it can be lack of faith. And it can be trying to control. It can be devilish. Tell me what love does. Go back to our chapter. We started there. We can finish there. What what will love do? 1 Corinthians 13. The love is what? You don't need to be long suffering. If people straighten up the first time you talk about it. Or even the tenth time. What does love do? I've told you this 895 times. Are you dense? What's wrong with you? How does that work? How does that work? Why would you do that? Frustration and fear. And you're trying to make it happen. And you can't. You need to admit you can't. I said you need to admit you're not God. You need to admit you don't own them. You need to admit they never have to do anything you say or do. 
You need to admit you can't control them. And trust God. Ask him, Lord, help him to see it. And then shut up. Shut up. I'm telling you. Are we believing him to do something? Then get out of his way. Get out of his way. Don't muddy up the waters. There's a lot of times the Lord was dealing with them. And then you came and started talking to them about it. And messed it up. Now they're looking at you. Thinking it's just you. And it was him. We've all made mistakes. But let's learn. Let's grow up. The love is kind. What I just demonstrated there wasn't kind. Was it? So why bring up that you've mentioned it 783 times? Why, If you should talk about it. Why not just talk about it as though they've never heard it? Because maybe they haven't heard it yet. Maybe they really have not even heard it yet. Come on, you're laughing. But have you ever heard something 12 times and then heard it? Then it's no different from you. The love does not envy. The love does not vaunt itself. It's not puffed up. Not always talking about itself. Verse 5. Does not act unseemly or rude. Does not seek its own things. Is not provoked. Does not impute evil. Rejoices not over unrighteousness. I've seen people just act giddy. When their partner got in trouble over something. I told them. (laughs) See there. That's not love either. Love rejoices with the truth, and the truth will make you free. Verse 7, love does what? I've had it. I have had it. This is it. One more time. And I'm walking. Is that what this is? No. What will love do? Love never says one more time. Love never says that was the last time. Love never says that's it. Love bears through everything. Keeps on believing through everything. Keeps on expecting through everything. Keeps on enduring. Why? Because God is that way. He does not change. Hallelujah. He doesn't change. And this love never ends. Never fails, never comes to an end. Praise be to God. Stand on your feet, everybody. Two verses I want to I want to leave with you. Put them on the screen for us. When people talk about how vexing and tormenting their love life is, their marriage, their relationship, they're not talking about love. 1 John 4, verse 7, 1 John 4, 7, it says, Beloved, let's just look at it in King James. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God. And knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. 
Herein is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Did he love us when we were his enemies? Can we love them if they think we're the enemy? You can. You can. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. And verse 18 says this, there is what? No fear in love. See, all the stuff we've been talking about tonight. Well, if I, if I don't write them, they won't do it. That's fear. There's no faith in that. Well, what if they leave? They can if they choose to. You, need to. you need to be aware of that reality. But once you acknowledge the truth, it makes you free. And you, all you have to know is what I'm going to do. And you make up your mind, I'm going to walk in love. No matter what they do or don't do. That's what I'm going to do. And when you do that, you lose the fear. And when you lose the fear, you lose the torment. The frustration of trying to control them. The frustration of trying to straighten out everything. The frustration of keeping them from leaving. Of, of saving everything. You're not the Savior. That's too big for your little shoulders. Right? What you can do is walk in faith and love. And hope and expectation. And do it day in and day out. That's all you can do. But that's doing a lot. It gives God the access and opportunity. The greatest expression of love is giving. God so loved the world that what? That he gave his only begotten son. You give and you give and you give. People say, well, if I just keep on giving, I don't have nothing left. That's a lie. You've been reading some goofy book. I got to have some me time. You need to throw that rag away. Where'd you find me time in here? Now you're laughing, but this is why people are so messed up. They're trying to fix things with stuff that men have come up. That's not Bible. It's not scriptures. It's actually contrary to scriptures. No. You're not going to become a nothing and run out. When you give. Anybody know any scriptures that talk about giving? When you give. It's going to come back to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. And what if you got a husband that's giving and giving and you got a wife that's giving and giving? There's something to receive on both sides. But if you're saying, I need, I need, and you're not doing this for me. And they say, well, you're not doing this for me. Nobody's giving anything. 
There's nothing to receive. It can't do anything but dry up and die. You can't control them. But you can be obedient to God. You can be a giver every day of your life. Giver is not a trader. A giver means you're giving it and asking for nothing in return. No strings. You're giving. And the Bible is true. It will come back to you. God will take care of you. Do you believe it, saints? Hallelujah. Just close your eyes and lift up your hands to the Lord. Pray this after me. Just close your eyes. Sit out loud, Lord, thank you for my spouse. They are a gift in my life. I don't own them. I get to be with them for a very brief time. And then in glory. But they're yours. They don't belong to me. You have redeemed them. They're your child. I can't control them. I never could. I acknowledge that. And with your help, I'll stop trying. Help me to be what you've called me to be and to sow into their life and what they need to see I rely on you to help them to see and help me to see what I need to see any changes we need to make any things we need to stop any things we need to start we ask for it And we believe we receive it in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for glory days ahead. Days of heaven on the earth. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Got anything on your heart, Phyllis? All right. Well, we've had us a marriage meeting. The Lord has met us. I know He has. Hallelujah. A supply of the Spirit has been deposited in you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Raise up your hands and believe you receive some more of it right now. Strength is coming in. Phyllis, would you please come? We're going to minister to this to you by the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Just lift up your hands before the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Phyllis, said out loud with me in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Be 
be strengthened. With strength in your spirit. Be quickened. And made full of life. And be loosed. From lies. And deception. And confusion. And depression. Come off. Be lifted. And go in Jesus name. Oh hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. And believe you receive into yourself. Believe you receive into yourself the anointing. And the life of God. And the quickening of God. Lord we ask for the wisdom of God. On our brothers and sisters. And on us too. The wisdom of God Lord. Oh hallelujah. 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 You're being strengthened inside. You're being quickened and empowered inside. You're being enlightened in heart and mind. And loosened and freed. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. My, 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 I see it. There's there's a number of people. You're going to act on this. Just keep your eyes closed. You're going to act on this. You're going to back off. You're going to quit trying to make them do it. You're going, to, you're going to quit talking so much. You're going to quit correcting and doing those. You're going to back off and immediately you're going to see a change. Because the Spirit of God's going to step right in where you've actually been in the way. He's going to flow right in there and things are going to change. My, my, my. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 You've been trying to do something you can't do. You can't do that. You can't do it. But the Holy Spirit can. And will. And great will be the results. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yeah, go right ahead. This came up in my heart. It's kind of funny, but it's still the truth. How many of you would like, let's see, like you've heard of patches they put on their arms to help them suppress smoking desire? Or you've heard of appetite suppressants that help you suppress hunger? How many of you would like a fight or arguing suppressant? This is what the Lord just asked me. I'm telling you, standing up here just now. How many of you would like that to keep from arguing or keep fussing? You don't even have to raise your hand. I'm about to tell you what you can have to do that. Just exactly what was just happening just now. Praying in the Spirit will be an arguing suppressant for your life. It will keep you when you, it's just like smoking or food. It'll still be there. 
but you'll have something strong enough on the inside of you, the willpower to not do what you desired to do. You'll be able to control yourself if you will pray in the Spirit. It'll be just like that patch for smoking. It'll just be like that pill for suppressing your hunger. It'll be a suppressant of anger or a suppressant of whatever the problems you were having if you'll pray in the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. So be it. So be it. So be it. Hallelujah. Happier homes. More funner. That's one of Dave's words probably. More funner times. Hallelujah. Praise God. Life is short. It'll release their finances. It'll release, It'll release their, everything finances. in their lives. Prayers won't be hindered anymore. That's right. That's right. Finances released. Glory to God. Life is so short. We ought not waste a half a day. Is that right? Or an hour. Fighting because it's it's an hour you won't get back. It's a day you won't get back. No, we're not fools that the enemy can play so easily. Right? We're not ignorant of his devices. And we are the redeemed and the free of the Lord. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.